0: Let's pray together. Father in heaven, it's good for us to be here. We thank you for bringing us here. We ask, Lord, that you would ready our hearts and minds now, indeed our, our whole being, every sense of us, God, that can embrace you through the word of God, through your truth, Father. We ask that you would ready us for that. God, make us those who truly believe all the way from the inside out. God, make us faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. Lord, we, we understand the importance of the preaching of the Word of God. And so now we've come to Sunday morning worship. We've sung our songs and we've given our money. We ask, Lord, now that You would Speak to us. We, we want that. It is our prayer this morning, God, that you would. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. It's good to be back. I feel a little bit uncomfortable here this morning, as it's been so long. I have not preached here since February no, I did not even preach here in February. Uh, I have not preached here since January and that is incredibly hard to believe. Um, that, that wasn't the plan. I hope that you know that. We had a guest preacher on February the 7th and February the 14th. Uh, I was out of town in February the 21st I was really sick in February the 28th uh, we had a funeral out of town. It's good to be back. I'm thankful that our church has plenty of people who can step up and lead and and serve and preach. I'm especially thankful to Jake and Micah for all the weight that they carried in my absence. Jake did a good job preaching, as y'all have told me many, many times. Um, And then Marcus, thank you for being willing to preach even while I was gone. Uh, That's a good sign. God is at work in our church. But I I want to say with all honesty that I I, I hate missing as as much as I, I have, um, you know, uh, every time I miss church, I'm reminded of the phrase that absence makes the heart grow fonder, and that that happens. I, I was so excited to, to, to know that I'm feeling better, and to be back in town, and to wake up today, and, and to be here with you all. I can say with, with great sincerity uh, from my heart, really, uh, that I love you all, and I love our church as much now as I ever have, uh, and being gone from you all has, has caused me to, to think about those things. Uh, last Sunday, we were uh, out of town for that funeral, um, and we were literally thinking about you all, thinking about what was happening. We were praying for you all as it came to be about this time last Sunday morning. Uh, and so it has been a while, but I am glad to be back, and I hope that y'all are glad for me and my family to be back, uh, and now we are, we are ready to get into the Word of God. Uh, on February 27th and 28th, a Friday and a Saturday, or actually... I guess, uh, well, I don't remember the date, but we had the 24 hours of prayer just, uh, just a little bit ago. Y'all remember that? Actually, that was two weeks ago, so that would have been the 20th, around the 20th, 19th and 20th, that we had the 24 hours of prayer, and I was excited about that. Our church does that every every six months, uh, and I think it's fantastic for us to do that. It's, it's, it's our church being committed to prayer and beyond that, it's our church really praying a lot. It is, it is people uh, praying nonstop, and it's really good. And for those of y'all that participated in it, uh, we have discussed that. You saw it as, as really beneficial. Leading up to that, the Sunday before, or the Sunday there right at it, I, ha- I wanted to preach this sermon that I'm going to preach today on prayer. It's from Luke chapter 11. It's one of Jesus' strongest passages on prayer. I wanted to preach it. And then one one turn of events after another uh, prevented that from happening. So here we are, two weeks after the 24 hours of prayer, still going to look to the Word of God on prayer. I want today to give you three thoughts on prayer that come from this passage in Luke chapter 11. Read with me, if you will. Luke 11, 1 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What a good passage, right? Uh, I like to come on a Sunday morning, or rather to any Bible study, and get to the Word of God and just see how good it is. One of the great things about church life and Bible reading and Bible study um, and, and preaching is that the Word of God is powerful, and when you have that belief and that conviction, the Word of God speaks for itself. You know, a lot of times, preachers get in the way of the Word of God, and I'm sure you've seen that and been there. The Word of God doesn't need us to make it any better. We are to present the Word of God as it is, and today's passage is one of those that is very, very clear. We don't want to miss that. So my prayer is not that I would get in the way or be a distraction, but my my prayer is that you would really get from this what God is saying. I've got three thoughts today on prayer. Number one is that people who pray should be focused on God's glory. Number one is God's glory. People who pray should be focused on God's glory. Number two, people who pray should be encouraged that persistence works. People who pray should be encouraged that persistence works. Number one, God's glory. Number two, persistence works. And then number three, people who pray have confidence in their loving Father. People who pray have confidence in their loving Father. Number one, God's glory. Number two, persistence works. And number three, loving Father. What an encouraging passage. Let's begin with number one, God's glory. People who pray should be focused on God's glory. Look at verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. We could could go on and on understanding prayer and being encouraged to pray and even being motivated or inspired to pray simply from an overview of the life of the Lord Jesus and how often He prayed. When you and I pray, we are praying to God, our Father in Heaven because we have a relationship with Him and yet we know that we are completely dependent upon Him, utterly and totally dependent upon Him. We're reminded of the words of Jesus in John chapter 15 that apart from Him we can do nothing. Acts chapter 17, in Him we live and move and exist. We have our being. In Romans chapter 11, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things to God be the glory forever. Amen. We understand this great dependence on god we are children of god we are finite we we, we get that but jesus isn't jesus is god 100 percent god 100 percent man and yet even in his flesh jesus was a praying man a heavily praying man this man prayed a lot we we have many passages that tell us that he was praying all night or he was up late or rather we have passages that tell us many passages that tell us that jesus woke up early he woke up early in the morning so that he could pray he spent time in prayer You ever heard that life is better caught than taught? You've heard that before. That it's one thing for somebody to say, hey, we need to pray, or hey, have a good week, spend some time in prayer. That has some influence on us, and we think, yeah, okay, I need to. But there's so much more of an influence when somebody has actually prayed with you, or rather you have seen somebody pray, or you wake up in the morning and your spouse or your your parent is in the room on their knees praying. Or you go to find them as they're about to get in bed at night, and you find them by their bedside praying. Or you sit down to eat dinner with somebody, and you're ready to chew into the food, and they say, can we bless the food or can we ask to pray prayer is something that we start doing more of as we do more of it or as we see other people around us doing more of it this passage begins with this jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished one of his disciples who i guess was there says to him lord teach us to pray I don't know if you've ever heard that before. That's one of the great requests in Scripture from a follower of Jesus to Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray. I want to encourage you to remember that verse. Be reminded of that one. Maybe underline or highlight. You don't have to even memorize the whole verse. Just the the little portion of verse 1 of chapter 11. Lord, teach us to pray. What a request. But then he says, as John taught his disciples... In other words, the disciples were aware that that John the Baptist had people that were following him. Remember, he was teaching and pointing people to the kingdom. And he also taught them to pray. It is a common characteristic that any man of God who desires to be a spiritual leader ought to be teaching those who look to him to pray. I think sometimes we forget what leadership and pastoring and mentoring looks like. It's not just a bunch of telling people what they are to do. If you want to be a manager or a boss, then that will work. You just tell people what to do. But if you want to be somebody that actually leads people and sees the people behind you end up like you are, or rather sees the people behind you end up the way you're wanting to be or the way we ought to be, then you, you do that with them. You make sure they get it. This is the very nature of fatherhood and the nature of parenting, and yet we see it here. John had been teaching his people how to pray, and and so they speak up here and say, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Jesus answers and says, okay. He goes into what we call the Lord's Prayer. Many of you know this. When I got to college, our basketball team uh, recited this prayer together before every single game, the Lord's Prayer. Many of you also have done that before. Many of you know the Lord's Prayer. I've been to many funerals where the family has requested that, that we recite the Lord's Prayer at the funeral. You know, many people call this the Lord's Prayer, but it's better known as the modeled prayer, Because this is not Jesus' prayer as much as it is this is the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. We have lots of passages in the scripture where Jesus is praying. Those would rather be his prayer. This is the modeled prayer. And here we have a shortened version. In Matthew chapter 6, we have Jesus giving a longer version of it. And then the one that we recite together most often is actually a little bit longer than both of these. The one that you hear people say all the time is is really not even the one in Luke 11 or Matthew 6. But they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. They saw their Lord as a praying man, and therefore they wanted to be praying people. I want to ask you today, to what extent do you look to Jesus and say, I want to be that way? Do you see a faithful man and say, I want to be a faithful man? Do you see a giving man and say, I want to be a giving man? Do you see a humble man and say, I want to be a humble man? Do you see a praying man and say, I want to be a praying man or woman. Do you see an obedient man to God? Do you see a submissive man to God? Do you see a loving man? Do you see a kind man? Do you see a generous man in, in the Lord Jesus? And say, I want, I want to be that. Lord, help me too. Because this is what happens here on prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And then he says, when you pray, pray like this. And again, we have a shortened version of The Lord's prayer, the model prayer. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation it's an interesting prayer every time we teach people to pray we usually give like all of these different types of prayer right there's thanksgiving and there's adoration and there's worship and there's intercession and you always hear these words thrown around right in jesus's model prayer to us you have no thanksgiving you have no worship you just have a lot of asking things you have a lot of jesus could you do this father in heaven could you do this there is no thanksgiving here there is no worship here one of the things that has become very characteristic of our children when they're praying as we have taught them to pray they no matter what they're praying for they begin it with thank you god we need you to do this we thank you that we need you to do this every line that they say is is thank you and and that's good we are to have thankful hearts but but notice here there is no thanksgiving in this prayer this prayer begins with a devotion to god god's glory God's name, God's character, God's God's renown, God's worship. It's fascinating. People who pray as Jesus has taught them to pray are people who want God to be worshipped. I want to ask you with all the praying that you do, is your prayer driven by a heart for God? father hallowed be your name oh father what i'm about to ask you for in my life let it be for your glory god as i beg you to intervene in my life situation may it be for your glory As we pray, God, help this man to fall in love with me. God, help me with my finances. Oh, God, help my family with our drama. Oh, God, help us to find what we need. Oh, God, fix this situation. Oh, God, forgive me. There is a desire that reigns heavy in all true prayer, and that is the desire for God to be on his throne, in the proper place, getting the right attention Worship. I want to ask you if you're there. There are so many times where we pray for our food and we hardly have desired God's name to be hallowed. There are so many times where we're driving in our car and we're stressed and we're upset and we've done something wrong or we've made a mistake and we are crying out to God, asking God to fix our situation and the farthest thing from our heart really is that His name would be hallowed. After that, he says... Your kingdom come. The desire of the one who prays is for the kingdom of God to be here, to be expanding, to be seen, to be evident, to be experienced, to be the reality. We want the kingdom of God to be here and present. And the kingdom of God is the place where God is the king of it. I want my life, my world. I want our church. I want my home over here on Chieftain Drive. I want, I want Fairdale, Kentucky, this 40118 to have the kingdom of God about it, which means we want the Lord Jesus Christ to be king. We want the Father who is in heaven to be king over this place, which means we want the people of this to bow down to the king. We want us to have hearts who say, no, there is a king. God is our king. Kingdom come. Do you, do you pray like that? Does your heart long for that? When you are praying, however you're praying, do you pray that way? John Bunyan is my absolute favorite favorite author back uh, from the 1600s. And in his book on prayer, How to Pray in the Spirit, Bunyan says, Sincerity should control and run through all the actions of a Christian. What a test, right? Sincerity. The people of God are to be those, if they are anything, who are deeply sincere. When we cry out to God, we ought to be very much so heartfelt, desiring we want God. We want God. We want His will to be done. We want His kingdom to come. We want His name to be revered. We want people to love Him. Praying people are people who are about the glory of God. In his prayer, you can see this even more. He says, give us each day our daily bread. There is an understanding that God is our provider, even to the bread that we eat on a regular basis. Val and I have chuckled often lately that we go through a loaf of bread about every day. If we have French toast in the morning, that's a loaf. And if everybody has a sandwich or two at lunch, that's another loaf, because that's about 12 sandwiches just in our house. There's a whole loaf of bread. That's a lot of bread. And Jesus... In teaching us to pray, when they've said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus mentions that we ought to be thanking, Lord, would you give us the bread that we need? People of God with deep sincerity and hearts for God don't take anything for granted, not even a bologna and cheese. The bread that goes into us that is the very sustenance that gives us the strength to live and work and operate and function. That provision is from God and the people of God are very much so aware of it. There is a thankfulness in us and a need to him. Oh Lord, for your glory, for your name, as your kingdom coming, please provide for us the bread that we need. And then it moves to the subject that is the most opposed subject that we have in the world today, it moves to the subject of sin. Let's be honest, folks, that sin is still a real thing. There are things that are bad, and there are people that are bad. There is good in people, and there's bad in people. For the people that do bad things are bad people, including me, including you. Just a little bit later in the passage, verse 13, don't miss it that Jesus calls these disciples evil people everybody see that? He says, if you then know how to do good, see, there are evil people that do good. Let's don't get that twisted. You keep trying to convince yourself that we're good people that do evil. You've got it backwards if you want to go by what Jesus says. Now, I'm as optimistic and positive thinking uh, as you can find, and y'all know that if you've been around me any. But the passage here tells us that we have a sin issue. And they say, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And Jesus says, yeah. And the third line of his prayer is, Lord, forgive us of our sins. We've done wrong to the Creator. We've done wrong with what we've loved. I wanted my name to be protected in the community more than I wanted God's name to be hallowed. I wanted y'all to think well of me more than than I wanted God's name to be worshipped. We are a sinful people Forgive us our sins. And then also help us to be able to forgive those who sin against us. It is the heart of the child of God who prays to God, who longs for the glory of God, that sin is an issue. Both people have sinned against me, and I need to handle that the way that God wants me to. And I also sin against God, and there are no excuses to be made here. I simply need to say, oh God, would you forgive me? You know why Jesus teaches us to pray for forgiveness? Because Jesus knows that forgiveness is available. Jesus knows that he lays down his life that you might be forgiven. If you're here today, listen, don't ever again think that you need to make an excuse or a denial for sin. That is the most ungodly and unbiblical way that you could be. The Bible teaches that you can confess your sins because Jesus Christ died for our sins. Jesus says, here's how you pray, because he is going to die for our sins. If you are here today and you will be humble enough to admit that you sin and that you have sinned against God, then trust in him that he died on the cross for your sins and he will forgive you of your sins. God is a forgiving God. He loves to do that. That's what he does trust that the pride and the arrogance of the man who wants to say that hey we all sin it's not that big of a deal or we all sin it's not that bad or sins aren't a problem or God's not going to judge them is foolish why not embrace the truth of what actually happened that God sent his son in love to die for us and that forgiveness is a real thing and when you start to care about sin And you want to forgive people who have sinned against you. And you want God to forgive you because you've sinned against Him. Then your heart is in the right place of wanting Him to be worshipped. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Then we are focused on God in our prayer. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8 says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, meaning that even if you are trying to do something good for God, like a sacrifice, if your heart does not love Him, it's an abomination. God hates it. But listen to the next part of Proverbs fifteen eight. But the prayer of the upright is acceptable to Him. God loves the prayers of those who are trusting. Samuel Chadwick, in what I think is one of the best quotes says prayer is the acid test of devotion that's good you want to know to what extent you're devoted to God you want to know to what extent you love God your heart longs for Him just check your prayers both what your prayers consist of, and do you actually pray? Yesterday was Saturday. There were ball games all day long. Kentucky played at two, Carolina played at six, Louisville played at eight. We watched a lot of TV yesterday. Did we pray? The acid test of our devotion to God, according to Samuel Chadwick, is prayer. It's good. You want a real simple gauge of where you're at in Father, hallowed be your name. Look no further than your prayers. Fathers, I want to ask you, when was the last time your children heard you pray? And then let's be honest they won't be praying. They won't be praying, children and soon to be adults. They won't be praying, adults. Moms, when was the last time your children heard you pray? pray with them see the beauty of prayer is that it is so easy to do there are no excuses for why we have not prayed you can pray at any time on any level in any way you can be dead tired face down on the pillow praying to God in silence You can pray anywhere at any time. There is no form for right and wrong prayer. The Bible even says that if you're not even making sense out of your prayers, the Holy Spirit will kick in and cause you to pray to God. There is no excuse except for our devotion to God is lacking. And we are committed here as a church to being a praying church. We want to help you grow in this. We want your devotion to God or your longing for the glory of God to grow. The 24 hours of prayers every six months. And yet, on Wednesday nights, as uncommon as it might be these days with with the way church programming works, our church prays, half of our Wednesday night service is committed to prayer. Nobody's asked to pray out loud. Nobody's forced to or whatever. But we are here and praying along with Bible study. If prayer is something that needs to be more in your life, in your faith, in your home, in your family, I encourage you to get involved. We want to be praying people. We want to take in the glory of God. We want our hearts to long for hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Forgive us of our sins and lead us into temptation or do not lead us into temptation that we would not sin any more. A couple years ago, we started a college small group Bible study. It meets every other week, and it's going really well. We've seen some great growth in our in our college age people from them attending and us spending that time together. It meets on Wednesday nights after church. It meets Wednesday nights at nine thirty, and it's been really good. But with with people being busy, what what we have found is is that many of those college age people don't come to Wednesday night service at seven if they're going to be coming to college Bible study. And I understand that we don't want you to be too busy, so so that's okay. But I was talking to one of our college students recently uh, about that, and, I was, and they were talking to me about prayer, and I was saying, well, you know, Wednesday night is, is a good time for you to come and learn prayer and observe prayer and see how it works and see what it means to be a praying church or a praying individual. And they said, oh, oh, I know. Here's what they said. A college student in our church said, were it not for our church and Wednesday nights, I wouldn't know how to pray. For sitting there week after week and hearing you people pray out loud, has taught me a lot. We want to be people that pray. And the first thing that I want you to hear about prayer is that praying people are concerned with the glory of God. Our prayers ought not to be self-centered. Our prayers ought not to be uh, me-driven. They ought not to be selfish. We ought not to only be praying for the things that we want. Our prayers ought to be driven by a heart for God. But then secondly, and this is fascinating that Jesus teaches this, persistence works. We are encouraged to know that a persistent prayer gets to God. I think even for people that do pray, this is where we lack. Look at verse 5. Jesus, they've said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus gives them the, 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 the model prayer here, and then he gives them a little illustration. He says, which of you has a friend, and notice the word friend, not a stranger, not just a neighbor, not an enemy, a friend. Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight, notice the time, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. It's a big need, right? And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, my children are with me in bed. I, I got to looking up why it said the kids were with them in bed, because my mind immediately goes to the type of homes that we live in, right? Where the parents have their bed, and kids have their room, and that sort of thing. Um, th- th- and then th- doing a little research I found out that this we're, we're talking about a, a like a one room home where everybody works outside the home and when they come in they all sleep together in that one room so picture that don't picture your house where people are literally so far away in their bedroom they can't hear you from shouting distance right you got parents on the second floor and kids in the basement everybody's spread out don't picture that Picture everybody in one room together, it's midnight and somebody's knocking at the door and picture the friend of the dad yelling from the bed, who is it? What do you want? Hey friend, I have a really big need, we've got a guest who just came to town, I don't have any food to give him, can I borrow some loaves of bread, I need to feed him. And Jesus says that even with that urgent request, look, he answers, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. What a fascinating illustration from Jesus. Listen, Jesus is teaching us that the, 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 the desperation of your need is not as much influential to God answering your prayer. And that is not the way we think, is it not? I can't tell you how many times I've said please, thinking that me saying please helps the prayer. I can't tell you how many times I've said, please, 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 God. I can't tell you how many times I've said, God, please, thinking that my yearning for it makes it any more or any less need to be answered. That's Jesus' exact point here is that that's not how it works. Hey, it's midnight, dude is standing at the door knocking, and the answer is, no, we're in bed, sorry. Right? But he'll get the bread. But watch how. Verse 8 I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Wow. Friendship is not enough for you to get your request. But persistence is. I can't tell you how many times Carolina has asked for another piece of cheese and I've said no, and then after ten times her asking for another piece of cheese, she got the cheese. And that's bad parenting, but when you take that to prayer, that's good. That's how it works. But what's fascinating about this is this is Jesus answering the question, Lord teach us to pray how many of you are burdened over a loved one right now how many of you are burdened right now over some poor decisions that you've made how many of you are burdened right now because you have this great need how many of you right now are so desiring for some of your children to come back to the lord how many of you are so desiring right now for your neighbor to get saved and to trust in christ How many of you are so burdened right now for God to open a door and lead you in a path of righteousness for his name's sake like he says he will? We have these prayers, but when was the last time you asked him to? What if you persistently said, I'm coming to you at midnight, God, and I'm not going home. I'm not taking no for an answer. Because when you say, please, God, do it. I really want you to, and then you go and forget about that desperation prayer for a week or a month, God tells us that type of a prayer is not enough to get me out of bed to get you the bread. But when you stay there saying, God, I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping on this day and night, day after day, consistently, consistently, consistently. God says he will answer that prayer. When he finishes saying that, look at verse 9, he says, and I tell you. Jesus says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Just ask. Just ask. Y'all ever talked to a young person that said they can't find a job? And you say, have you tried? And they said, man, I put an application in everywhere. How many times have you heard that, right? And you think, well, did you follow up? No. Have you called them? No. Did you go back and talk to them? No. You know how easy it is to go to a fast food restaurant and put an application and say, can I speak to the manager? And he says, well, they're not here today, call back later. And you call back later and then they don't return your call. And then you call back later. Then you stop by the next day. You do that, 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 that. Next thing you know, you know what? You have a job. Persistence works. And God tells us that when it comes to prayer, persistence works. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and you will find. And it will be open to you. In other words, yeah, what is it? Uh, I got some guests in town. I know it's midnight. I'm so sorry to bother you. I know I probably haven't been the best neighbor anyway. But uh, can you get us some bread? I need to. No, I'm not. Me and my kids are already in bed. We're not getting up. It's midnight for Pete's sake. I got stuff to do tomorrow. Go home. need some bread, please. And you just keep knocking, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get up and answer it. And and, and that is humorous to us, I know. That is God Almighty, our Father in Heaven, Jesus Christ's example to us, our illustration of how He wants us to be when we ask. That's how He wants us to be. Are you persistent with your prayers to God? Are the very things that your heart is broken over and that you have been led to tears over that you so desire right now, have you been persistent with it? And I dare you to, I challenge you to, as he has taught us. One of my best friends from high school was such a class clown. He was such a cut-up. He never cared at all about school. He graduated high school with a 1.7 GPA, and he had no hope of going to college, 1.7. I was a couple years ahead of him, and so when... I was in college. He came down to the college on like um, visitation day. I forget what they, what they call that day. The day that you can come and check out the school. He said, man, I've got to get into college. And everybody said to him, you're never getting into college. He said, I'm going to find a way. He shows up at the orientation like, like visitor day. I forget what that's called. But that day, and this is a true story. In the midst of all the students that are there for meet and greet day, he's wearing a tuxedo standing out he has got a big old poster board that says, Have you seen Buddy Freeman? Buddy Freeman is the head of admissions. Buddy Freeman makes the final call of who's accepted into this university and who is not accepted into this university. So the hundreds of students that are on campus of that college that day, there's one standing out in a tuxedo with a sign that says, Have you seen Buddy Freeman? After a couple hours of him walking around like this, he gets to meet Buddy Freeman. He goes into his office and he says, "What's, What's going on? He says, Listen, I messed up in high school had a 1.7 GPA, but I promise you I can do it. And I'm begging you. I look like a fool doing this. Everybody has seen me, but it got me into your office. You let me into school. I promise you I'll make straight A's. Buddy Freeman took a chance, started at that school, transferred to UNC Charlotte, graduated UNC Charlotte with a bachelor's degree in philosophy with a 4.0. True story. Now has four degrees and is working on another. Was not good enough in high school to get into any college. But persistence worked. He got himself into the admissions guy's office and said, please, 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 it works. And our Father in Heaven gives us a ridiculous story like that as how we ought to pray. Val had to take jj to a birthday party last night for some friends at school and she came home and she was just you know somewhat heavy-hearted with our boys are growing up it was a laser tag birthday and jj's eight years old now and just seems to be a big kid one of y'all said to me this morning that my kids look so grown up they haven't seen them in two weeks you know what val said we need to be praying for them josh Don't we? Don't we? Don't we need to be on our knees and and at the door? Doesn't God need to hear my voice every day for my kids? Isn't it a hard world out there? And to get from 8 to 16 is a treacherous road, is it not? And to get from 16 to 21 or 21 to 25 or 25 to 35 is a rough path. And there are a lot of hurdles that they're going to face, and you know it. Ought I be at the door every day saying, God, here I am? And their names are JJ, Eli, Noah, Carolina, and Liliana. Oh Lord, have mercy upon them. Oh Lord, lead them. And Jesus says, Do that, ask, and you will receive. How foolish would I be to not be asking? How foolish would we be to not be asking? People who pray are concerned with God's glory. People who pray have great encouragement that persistence works. And then lastly, people who pray have confidence because they have a loving Father. Do you know this morning who it is that we pray to? Do you understand that we have a God who loves us and a God who wants us to pray? Listen to what he says after that. As if that illustration is not encouraging and helpful enough, in verse 11 he says, come on, let's just look at fathers, he says. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? In other words, nobody. Nobody does that. No decent father does things like that. Now, I know we might know some bad dads out there who really do do worse to their kids or are ruining their lives. But that's not the norm. If a kid asks for something, the the, the father will, will give them that if it's good for them to have it. This is what he's saying. And you know this. And then he says, if if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven? Listen, I realize that on earth, fathers are all over the place. Some of y'all are good fathers and some of y'all are bad fathers and some of y'all are wanting to be better fathers and We're all over the place. But I assure you this, that our Father in heaven is a good Father. He loves us. He does good to us. He is attentive to us. He cares for us. He is working in our lives. And He wants us to be dependent upon Him and to pray to Him that He might answer us. He loves to provide for us. The sun started coming out some this week. We've had some nice days. We had some of those days where it was shorts and t-shirts and you go to sleep and you wake up and it's snowing when you wake up. We've had one of those weeks. But I came home and the boys were saying, hey, can we go outside and play football? What dad doesn't want to say, yes, let's go do it? And you find yourself going, man, I, I love being a dad. And the Bible is teaching me that to the extent that I embrace fatherhood that I love being a dad that I'm emotional about being a dad that I can't believe that God gives us the opportunity to be a dad God is an even better father to us keep a relationship with him keep praying to him he will provide for you is what Jesus is teaching let me remind you that Jesus gets up in verse 1 from praying his disciples observe it and they say Lord would you teach us to pray he gives them the modeled prayer that is all about God's glory then he Gives them this example of persistence is key, persistence works. And then lastly, he says, He's your father in heaven and he loves you. And if you have ideas or examples of what a good father looks like, then you better believe that your father in heaven does. He knows how to take care of you. Be close to him, stay close to him. Let me remind you in the book of James, where James is talking about prayer in chapter four. James says. You do not have because you do not ask, which is a straight challenge that you have not prayed about it. He says you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You you ask to spend it on your own passions and not on the glory of God. James is helping us to sort out our prayers. We ought to be a praying people. When we know who we're praying to, our Father that loves us, We are excited to pray. We know, hey, let me tell God about this. Let me tell my father. As I got to thinking about a good dad, it it had me reminiscing on, on my dad. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan. And the Charlotte Hornets were created in 1988. That's the first year ever of the Charlotte Hornets. On December the 23rd of 1988, December the 23rd of 1988, I got to go to my first ever Charlotte Hornets basketball game. My dad and my grandfather took me. And on December the 23rd of 1988, it also happened to be the first time ever in pro basketball that the Chicago Bulls played the Charlotte Hornets. It also happened to be the first time ever that you-know-who Michael Jordan came to play as a pro in Charlotte, North Carolina. And December the 23rd of 1988 also happened to be my eighth birthday. And I've never forgotten, never forgotten, that I'm 36 now, that my dad took me to see a pro basketball game and Michael Jordan play. What a good dad. A pro basketball game and Michael Jordan. I'm thankful for that. I've got an idea of what a good father is. And then by faith in Christ, reading the Bible, I am seeing that God is an even better father to me. I call my dad all the time. I had many conversations with my dad this week about insurance. Many conversations with my dad this week about my car. And yet, my father in heaven is even so much more. And he says, pray to me. And if your dad's a good dad, just think about your father in heaven. How much more will your father in heaven answer you? This past Saturday, a week ago from yesterday, had to do one of the hardest funerals I've I've ever done. Michelle Fowler used to be a part of our church, some 40 years old, mother to an 8-year-old boy, passed away. It was heavy. When we got there to the funeral, it started at, I forgot what time it started, we got there. We sit down, it's time for it to go. First song, opening song. This is my Father's world. This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world, I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand the wonders wrought. This is my Father's world, the birds their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white, declare their Maker's praise. This is my Father's world, He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass I hear Him pass, He speaks to me everywhere. This is my Father's world, oh let me never forget. That though the wrong seems often so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world, the battle is not done Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one The children of God are those who have a father in heaven who loves us and is working for us and is teaching us here to pray pray to him pray to him believe in Him, lean on Him, fall on Him, stand on Him. Do not stop praying to Him. Pray for His glory. Pray because persistence works. And pray because we have a loving Father. May God be moving in our church and through Fairdale because we know our Father in Heaven and we will not stop crying out to Him. Let's pray together. Father, thank You. For Luke chapter 11, this heavy passage on prayer is such a good one. Oh God, make us people passionate for your glory. Make us persistent prayers. We're not going to stop. Father, make us those who have a relationship with our Father in heaven. And God, make us fathers and mothers that want to be like you. We ask for that. Oh God, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.